Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. I want to ask you a very important question, a question that is troubling most of my clients. Are you tired of chasing success and feeling exhausted and disappointed? If you are, I am here for you. I just created the Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Circle Executive Coaching Program just for you. And here is how it is different from my other work. This is an executive group coaching program. You don't have to qualify what type of executive you are. If you are in a leadership role, this is for you. It is for you if you feel disrespected, ineffective, and frustrated about not being recognized for your value. Are you in a new role or reaching for something big and notice unresolved issues are in the way? You can't stop thinking, saying, or doing something that doesn't serve you? Let me tell you what is part of this program. You get six-month access to weekly small group coaching sessions. And this is for individual attention from me. I'm a 19-year CEO. I'm an executive coach certified by the International Coach Federation, the highest recognition you can have internationally. And the sweet spot is you get to see other leaders being coached. You may not even want to be coached that week. But that's okay, because I'm going to record the calls if you can't make them, and you can watch them. If you are coached on the call, you'll enjoy watching yourself be coached on the call. You'll have instant access to my six months of five-star leader training. And this goes through all of the tenets of executive presence and emotional intelligence, not things that you can get in business school or in books. This is personalized to you. There are workbooks in there that make this in tune to you personally. And at the end of it, you have a leadership impact plan that you'll have for life. You have instant access to my quick tip video library. These are two to three minute videos that I have recorded in beautiful locations wherever I've been speaking across the world. And a full section in these modules on those who want to change their career, their job, their title, if they're looking for a new industry, all put together in one place. You have a private community in this group where you can post questions, post highs, post lows, ask for advice, and we all weigh in together. I will weigh in on every single post that is there. 
And the special bonus is that you get my hard copy of the Flow on the Go Weekly Planner. This is a well-being planner. You already have a calendar. You don't need a calendar. But part of a mindful and satisfied life are mindful daily practices. And this is going to help keep you grounded. Now, this is not for you if you already have everything figured out, if you have too much doubt in the way, if you're not willing to make a decision, not for you. But what do you get at the end of this? You're respected, you have job security, you have executive presence, you can advance, you have fulfillment. You can be the quickly sought after and trusted choice for any team, project leadership, promotion or hire. You confidently project a profound identity, your signature strengths, your value proposition, your personal mission, your executive presence, and your measurable key accomplishments. You make more money. You maneuver the politics, bureaucracy, personal agendas, cynicism of any corporate setting with grace and with strength. And you stop wasting time on busy work like hiring resume writers, getting another degree, going to conferences, relying on self-help books, ruminating, browsing jobs, boards, blaming and complaining. You finally start doing the most important work more efficiently. You're the must-have in any situation, not just the okay person. You have self-control in your life choices, eating, exercise, sleep, relationships. No more snacking down your disappointments. You move from the past stigmas and stereotypes of too old, too young, too nothing. You are in your zone of genius. You let go of needing to be right because you're getting it right. Now, there are two ways to work with me with this program. One is in the circle, and the other way is to additionally be a private client of mine. And if you are in the personal coaching program with me, I will also be available to you every single day through email. You can email me any question, any challenge you're having at work, You want me to look at your resume. You want me to look at anything. I'm happy to do that. That's part of the personal coaching part of this program if you opt for that option. I look forward to getting to know you as part of the circle. Just go over to maryleegannon.com, click on coaching, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, leader, and welcome to episode 61 of the Still Space podcast, Lessons from the Riviera. Recently, I was very fortunate to accompany my husband on a trip to Europe, and it literally changed my life. I've been to Europe many times, and every time I go, something shifts within me. This vacation to the French and Italian Riviera was just a few days away, and at the beginning, I had mixed feelings, packing for it. I saw as a chore, packing tends to overwhelm me because I'm not a compartmentalized person. I have clothes all over the room. How am I going to fit all of these things into the suitcases? We only take carry-on luggage when we travel. That way there's never a problem when we get there of having lost our luggage. But it really forces you to become very lean in what you're going to take with you. And I actually have learned to prefer that. My husband travels to Europe regularly for work and he's taught me this concept 
And it's really much easier. I mean, you can wash out clothes, you can have laundry done, you can do laundry while you're abroad, but it's a lot easier than taking everything you could possibly need and checking luggage with all the big bottles of everything that you take with you. I put them all in very small compartments. I do the same with perfume and everything else in little tiny vials and it works for me. Okay. But packing is still overwhelming. I was excited about the destinations we were going to, the new cultures, the different languages, the people we'd meet, the friends we love that travel with us, the events we're honored to attend, the food, the slower pace. We were starting this trip in Germany with the wedding of the daughter of one of Arnie's closest friends, his best friend. And I used to not be a fan of international travel because I don't travel really well. I do not find that I can fall asleep on international flights. And then, of course, you know what happens when you get there. You're six time zones ahead. You're exhausted and everybody's ready to go when they get off the plane because they slept all night and you didn't. And you're even more anxious about that. So I was building up this story in my head of this is going to be a difficult experience. And as fate would have it, when I got on the plane, it was again, very difficult for me to sleep. I did not sleep. And I'm looking over at my husband who's snoring away and thinking, oh, everyone will be rested but me. But this is sort of how my mind works. And I know this. And intentionally, I gave myself a bye. Yes, Mary Lee, you didn't sleep very well. Yes, you're tired. And yes, you're going to give yourself some self-care and rest when you get there. And if everybody else is going off and doing other things, that's okay. Because you are going to rest. I accepted that I've had this experience before of not sleeping on other flights, trying to sleep, getting all anxious about it. And it's okay. Worrying that I'll be tired when I get there is not changing the situation. I decided to have some fun with it. What if I watched a cool movie when I was on the flight? And that's what I did. Instead of sitting there trying to put myself to sleep when I couldn't, I watched something that interested me. What if I edited something I was writing? I did a little bit of that. I started reading a book. I love to read. I don't read a lot of fiction because I read so much about my coaching practice and leadership and new age things, things that are on the horizon, just to stay informed, that I dedicate my vacations to fiction. And I picked up a book that I absolutely loved. What if I considered that time on that plane, downtime to listen to podcasts, music, meditation, and this is what I did. And yes, I showed up tired, but not beating myself up. What if I am tired when I get there, I told myself. No expectations. I wasn't expecting not to be. What if I remember that the world is not about me and focus on how I may be of service to others? So I started interacting with people on the plane, helping people just with little things that they needed, interfacing with them, smiling, laughing, I kind of laughed at myself of how I got two and a half weeks worth of clothing into two carry-on bags, including formal attire for a wedding, formal shoes. 
and I was thinking I was pretty spiffy at this point, um, I just gave myself forgiveness. Yeah, I was tired when I got there. I was really tired, but I didn't pass out or die. And maybe other people weren't as tired of me as I was, but it was okay. I was looking forward to another adventure in Europe and I forgave myself. And when we got to Frankfurt, I absolutely fell in love with the city. I didn't expect that. I had been to a number of cities in Germany. My husband is a German national. We've been to Germany many times, but never to Frankfurt. I was absolutely captivated. And then the wedding was at a beautiful small town winery out in the country. It was glorious. It could not have been more mesmerizing. And then the fact that these were our close friends and their daughter was getting married and we stayed in a lovely place and we spent time with the locals, sitting in beer gardens and walking around the streets. It was lovely, absolutely lovely. You know, and when we're on vacation, we make a conscious decision. Are we going to stay engaged with our office or are we not? And I think it's really great to draw a boundary between work and life so that you can show up presently for the people that you care about in your life. However, I choose a little bit differently. I know that I prefer to keep up with emails while I'm out of town. That way when I return and I work within a hospital system and get nearly 100 emails every day, the census of the hospital, things from different managers that aren't relevant to my work, but I still get them. I choose to keep up with emails so that when I get home, I don't have 2,000 emails to go through. That's a conscious choice. Some people might say, oh, you're not drawing a healthy boundary between your work and your life. I find that that's better for my work and my life to just click through emails, delete them at some slow point in the day. And that gives me a little breath of fresh air that I won't have to do all of that when I get back. That's a conscious choice I make. Again, some people will tell you, well, that's not a clear boundary between work and life. You're not providing yourself self-care. I feel that in that instance, I am providing self-care. I'm not taking phone calls. I'm not checking phone messages. I'm not reaching out to anybody. I'm just clearing out emails that I don't have to deal with. And if I can do a one or two word answer to people, I will do that while I'm away, even though there's an out of office memo on. It's just a choice that I make. You have to make the choices that are right for you. So we spent a few days in Frankfurt in the wine country. One night we spent the night of the wedding there that was just really magical. And then we caught a plane from Frankfurt to Nice. And I had never been to Nice before. And it was so sweet. It's right there at the beginning of the French Riviera. And we stayed in a lovely hotel. And it was a little melancholy thinking that a few years back there was um, a terrorist attack right on the Boulevard Anglaise that we were staying on right there on the beach where a man pulled his 
tractor trailer truck right up onto the strip that borders the beach and just ran over and killed 70 people and also injured 400 plus people. So, you know, I'm looking out my window at this and I'm thinking, this was a horrible incident. And we were there for Bastille Day and the gendarmerie, the police were very much ready for anything else that could happen because this um, massacre happened about this same time of year previously. And I'm watching the gendarmerie, the police, create safe barricades all over town. I've never seen so many police. The police there carrying machine guns, heavily armed vests, and I, it made me sad at first. It was off-putting to my husband and his European friends. Um, but I felt privileged and grateful and actually said that to the police and most of them were English-speaking. Thank you. Thank you for being here and keeping me safe. Because people were celebrating. It was Bastille Day. They were eating in the streets, celebrating in the streets. There were parades, and there were parades of the police and armed forces who helped take that man down that day to stop more carnage. So I will tell you that I don't think it stifled the Viva la France of the French people that day. I don't think that it killed any of the love that the French people have for food and life and family. You could see it in the streets. People were happy, respectful, sophisticated. And it, I was just very honored to witness this and then go up into my room and look down and see people having fun and joyous. And of course, nothing happened. Uh, but it was... It was a real lesson in sometimes people that are not happy within themselves want to feel powerful, and sometimes they do that in an evil way. I'm grateful that there are people who are dedicated to being police. I'm grateful that there are police who put their lives on the line so that I can be safe and so that I can travel and it just was a, a very reflective time for me. We spent a few days in Nice and then uh, and we traveled around close to Nice and it's just a beautiful area. And then we went to the Italian Riviera, a small town most people don't think to travel to called San Remo and visited small beaches around San Remo uh, on the Italian Riviera for the remainder of the trip. And it was extremely interesting for me to be part of three very different cultures, cultures very close to each other. You know, in the United States, we have states that are bigger than some of the countries in Europe. And I'm just struck by that because you don't have to go too far for things to dramatically change. And when I got to Italy, six time zones away, jet lag behind me after a few days in Nice, airport chaos behind me. If you've traveled in Europe, you know how 
you feel a little herded like cattle by the time that's over. I was reminded of the value of loving life. Sometimes it takes removing myself from my daily routine to realize how much of my daily routine bypasses my priorities. I start to see how much I think about things that don't matter and how little clarity I have around what really does matter. And a clearing opens and I begin to notice and appreciate simplicity. How I'm not the center of the universe how we are all connected to each other. If you've seen people in an airport disappointed because maybe their flights were canceled, you all share that common disappointment. I notice how I'm happiest when I'm with people I care about, how when I trust myself, there is no stopping me, how the world is so much bigger than my little piece of the pie. Today, I'm grateful that you are in my world. I'm grateful for the value of loving life. And this, when I'm in Italy, this always becomes evident to me. The value of tasting a fresh cappuccino every morning. I do not let it pass me up. I absolutely savor every sip of that cappuccino, knowing that somebody made it for me fresh, knowing that that milk is fresh, knowing that they took the milk and made a little heart design with it. I'm appreciating that. The value of a warm smile and a greeting when you pass people you don't know in Italy. People are always upbeat and happy to see you. The value of unbelievably fresh and delicious food that people are very proud to prepare for you. The value of soft, pretty linens, beautiful walls covered in lush greenery that they just let those vines go wild. Pink, white, and raspberry oleander lining the roads. Street guitarists playing Italian love songs into the night. You leave your window open because you want to hear that. The value of ordering antipasto and knowing they are in the kitchen slicing that prosciutto, slicing that parmesan fresh to put it on a plate for you. The value of savoring dinner with friends at a table for hours until 10 o'clock at night discussing everything and nothing and everything again and nothing, after which you fall into a deep, restful sleep, full and satisfied. The value of not owning a Vespa, because I value my life. If you've seen the Vespas in Europe, they weave in and out these little cross between a moped and a motorcycle, weaving in and out of traffic. They do not follow the line and the rules of traffic. They sort of make their own laws. Thank heavens, some of them have helmets on. They are uh, not what I consider really careful. The value of liking people so much that you greet them over and over depending on the time of day. Buongiorno, buonasera, buonanotte, buongiorno, good day, buonasera, good evening, buonanotte, good night.
The value of asking if everything is okay with a pause and genuine interest to make it so if it isn't tutto bene, tutto bene, everything okay? Really interested in are you pleased, are you happy? The value of a language that is so playful and airy, the cadence of it almost sounds like a melody. The value of pasta that is simply homemade, served with fish that melts in your mouth and was caught that morning. The simplicity of dinner, one, two, maybe three ingredients, but very simple. The value of no neon signs or tall buildings along the coast, anywhere near the coast, not seeing that. Maybe in Monaco, maybe in Monte Carlo, but not in the small towns of the Riviera, not in San Remo, not in Nice. The value of taking pride in a meal, the value of hanging clothes from your window to dry because you choose to, and because the drying sun takes no prisoners. I washed out some of my clothes and hung them from the balcony just because I felt like it. And then they have that smell of the Italian air. The value of laying across a towel on a rock at the Mediterranean Sea at 7.30 p.m. because the sun still feels that good. The value of faith and visiting a church at 6.30 p.m. where the priest leads 15 older women in a novena the townspeople awaiting its conclusion to start dinner and open restaurants. The value of a different church on every corner. The value of honoring and cherishing the seasoned generation. The love for older workers, family, and friends. The deference to them. The value of loving life, caring about each other, and taking it slowly unless you're on a Vespa, of course. And we wonder why Italy is such a desired destination. My husband and I visit Italy regularly because of this charm that I'm describing. We bring it back with us with intention every time. Slow, long dinners, really good coffee and espresso, ground and put through an espresso machine, lemons on our table, Italian music that we play. We play with the language. We can't really speak it, but we repeat what we've heard. Wishing you the essence of a place like this, a place that you love, which could be a park in your neighborhood. I have a park in the community in which we live that my husband and I visit every weekend, and we walk our dog, Bailey, three loops around this park and there are different aspects of it that we love and we talk about every single weekend. Remember the stress-free feeling of the last time you made time for yourself to notice things in the moment, to find the still space where you're able to differentiate between all of the things that you could, quote, worry and be anxious about and being present with yourself, realizing 
that you are not the center of the universe, that you are not alone, that you have people around you that care about you, that love you and depend on you, people you lead, people you teach, and the responsibility that goes with that. You are a teacher of the same mindful practices that we talk about in the Still Space podcast every week. You are a teacher of those by role modeling them by being peaceful. I'm coaching somebody right now. We were talking about gossip in the office, for instance. When gossip is going on, as a leader, especially an executive leader, you may not engage in it, period. It doesn't belong in your sphere because holistic and good leadership does not include gossip. You ask yourself three things. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it useful? If it is not, I know that it feels more fun to engage in gossip. You feel more accepted when you talk in gossip. But notice that that's a neediness on your part to feel included, to be accepted. And it's your responsibility, your responsibility to feel open and whole and accepted within yourself without having to lower yourself to the level of rolling around in the mud with gossip, which is not true, not kind, and not useful. So you can still be a part of a group of people by saying something like, yeah, I don't know really where that came from. Just be indifferent to it. You don't have to be uppity or judgmental about it. Just say, yeah, I don't know anything about that. Bring the daily practices that I've described here that are the way of life for many Europeans. Bring that into your sphere. Now, knowing that all these great things happened on my vacation, I will tell you I had a meltdown. No question about it. The vacation was absolutely amazing from the French Riviera to the Italian Riviera, having been in Frankfurt for this lovely wedding, we got on our first flight in Nice before our international flight. We were flying from Nice to Heathrow. We were full of dreamy memories already solidifying in our permanent consciousness when we were reminded that most problems aren't solved with more thinking, they're solved with less. If you can't solve a problem, stop trying to. It's freeing to let it go. Here's the example. We get herded like cattle down into this gate where people are shoulder to shoulder. And, you know, you then you go out to the airplane and you have to carry your luggage up the steps. Both of us, you can imagine we have four carry-on pieces of luggage up the steps to the plane. And then we sat on the runway in the plane for two and a half hours before a two-hour flight to Heathrow. We get off the flight only to know that we didn't get there in time for our international flight to get home. And they told, didn't tell us anything. Nobody contacts you. You just get an email that says you've been booked on a flight tomorrow on a different airline landing in a different city. Oh, and you're not sitting together. <laughs> we were frustrated, really frustrated. And we got caught up in the chaos of airlines, weather, strikes. Everybody was pointing fingers. You know, we went from France to 
England, and they're saying, yeah, but the Italians were on strike. Well, I don't know how that affected France and England, but whatever. There was weather. Although the sun was shining, there was no rain or anything on the whole flight. All kinds of everybody's pointing fingers, blaming and complaining, whatever excuse you could think of. We thought the problem we were having was trying to get home. We thought the problem we were having was then having to find a hotel in a very busy summer in London. And the more I thought about it, those really weren't the problems. Yes, we had to do those things in order to get home. But the real problem, the root problem, the one that we were avoiding was that we were disappointed of not being home tonight. We, we were not going to be home when we thought we were. We thought we were going to have a day to recover before we had to go back to work, and that wasn't the case. We were going to get in at 10 o'clock at night, and I was going to have to be in my office the following morning, full of jet lag. But there you have it. The real problem is that I was avoiding the difficult emotion of not being able to control that I wasn't going to be home at night, sleeping in my bed, and being prepared and rested the next day. And I was covering it over with blame and anger because I was I was so angry. I was texting my children in the cab and they're like texting me back these, mom, it'll be fine. There's something like me, the coach, mom, it'll be fine. This will be over by tomorrow. You'll be home. My husband's like looking at me like I have three heads and breathing fire and inching far away every in his seat as far as he could. And I could hear him on the phone trying to find a place for us to stay. But disappointment, it's all right that we're not going to be home tonight. Big deal. Nobody died or got hurt or is in trouble or is ill. But I was having a meltdown and I knew it while I was having it. And so did my husband, who very wisely was on the phone (laughs) trying to find a hotel. And I could hear him saying, "Uh, no, I don't think that will work. Do you have anything else? (laughs) And he found this quaint little place called the Langley outside of Heathrow in England that was for me one of the most pivotal moments of that trip. The cab driver is taking us there. I'm having this meltdown and it pulls into this place. Honestly, it was like a mini Downton Abbey. I couldn't believe it place had maybe 30 rooms. It was an old castle that was the castle of all of the Dukes of Marlborough. You could walk the grounds and see Windsor Castle really, really far off. If you looked really heavily, you could see it in the distance. I I could not believe the place. I got out of the car and all of a sudden it was like, okay, I'm going to just take a breather. I could still be in a bad mood, but I'm going to take a deep breath, breathe it in, breathe it out, and appreciate this beautiful space. Now, we could have gotten in the tube an hour into London and tried to make a day of it, and we decided not to. No, we're just going to hang out in this countryside, pretty, small castle, and absorb the English culture. Disappointment is an emotion that takes no prisoners and brings no peace. Happiness isn't found, it's felt. 
It's not outside you, but inside you. And I can remember standing there looking at the staff from the Langley and they were so sweet and lovely that I just immediately changed. And even my husband said, Mary Lee, I've never seen you make a shift like in real time like that so quickly. And we have the power to do that. That's what's so cool. We have the power to make an intention and follow it immediately. Because disappointment is preceded by all kinds of thoughts that are assumptions. This isn't fair. Why can't people just get this done? My time has no value to the airlines. Why does this always happen to me? And this is followed by behaviors that don't serve us, like lashing out, beating ourselves up, withdrawing. Remember, disappointment. Stop trying to solve the problem. It's just one of those emotions that needs to be released, a necessary ending. It's your imagination seeking confirmation around an expectation. So here's what we did about the chaos that was before us. We checked into this lovely place and purposefully chose not to do anything but immerse ourselves into the small town culture in Buckinghamshire. This lovely place before us goes as far back as the 18th century, complete with two goats that I got into the pen with and petted and hugged three peacocks, miles of gardens and fields and lots of chaps walking their dogs and sharing directions and roaming cows. We got right up next to the cows, petted the cows, followed the cows in and out of the little places they were going in the fields. They run, run free. It was threatening to rain, and Arnie looked just like the little British gentleman with his black umbrella. And my favorite photo from the trip was me in mixed matched clothing that I pulled off the top of a two-stuffed suitcase where the zipper had broken and Arnie had to fix it because I stuffed too much stuff into that suitcase. So I had on these mixed match clothing white socks, black pull-on stretch pants. I mean, really, I I look so silly. But me sitting on this little bench in the fields there around the Langley with a look on my face like, yeah, this is it. This is the wonder of life. The road of life has many bends. We don't have to take them all to feel fulfilled. Sometimes it's good to step off the road and discover the parts of ourselves that we'll leave behind on the journey to make room for wonder. And I left behind my frustration of not being home. And yes, that Monday at work, I thought I needed toothpicks to hold my eyelids open. I was very tired. And I recovered again. Nobody is ill, got hurt, or died. I was tired. So what? So wishing you the self-care of a special place that makes your heart sing, that reminds you of all of the things that you value in life and you remind yourself by treating yourself to them, whether it's a really good cup of coffee or a walk with your dog in a park that you love or picking up flowers that you smell My husband and I do not buy a lot of things when we go on trips. This trip, we didn't buy anything. We always pick up a rock from the places that we are 
on the beaches of the Riviera, that's very easy because most of them are rock beaches, little pebble-like rock beaches. And we write on them the city and the year, and we keep all of those in a bowl in our foyer. And sometimes we get them out and we go through them and remember the memories of us picking up that rock and remembering what happened there. That's wonder. Wishing you wonder today. I'm glad you were with me today, and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. 